0: Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the Weekly Research Roundup, research published between the 12th and the 18th of December 2023. I'm Katrina Pears, the research correspondent for the ME Association. It's been an exceptionally busy week for research. There's been a huge variety in studies this week, with 12 new ME-CFS studies and 30 new long COVID studies. We have highlighted one of the ME-CFS studies in more detail. Paper eleven is a preprint study, meaning that the science has not been peer reviewed and verified. Which looks at circulating biomarkers, which measure endothelial dysfunction. The endothelia is a layer of cells lining the blood vessels, and also the study looks at inflammation biomarkers alongside self-reported outcomes in ME/CFS and long COVID. This study used 31 patients with ME/CFS, 23 with long COVID and 31 healthy controls. A very large range of data was collected in this study and included, for example, outcome measures, which use questionnaires to measure changes in fatigue, sleep, anxiety, depression, or autonomic dysfunction, as well as the health related quality of life questionnaire. The study also looked at six different endothelial function markers, which are listed on the blog as well as inflammatory cytokines and chemokine assays which measured 12 different cytokines such as LI4 and LI6. The study also looked at cardiovascular autonomic function and this was assessed by a 10-minute standing test. The study found that combining biomarkers of endothelial dysfunction and inflammation with outcome measures differentiate ME-CFS and long COVID. The study also found the results confirm the presence of inflammation and endothelial dysfunction in MECFS. Four MECFS patients, one long COVID patient, and one healthy control were also bound to have POTS. Compared to healthy controls, MECFS patients and long COVID patients showed higher levels of ET1 and BCAM1 and lower levels of nitrates, which are all measures of endothelial function. MECFS patients also showed higher levels of seraphine E1 and E selected than both long COVID and control subjects. These are also measures of endothelial function. Long COVID patients had lower levels of TSP1 than MECFS patients and healthy controls, and this is also a measure of endothelial function. As for inflammation biomarkers, both long COVID and MECFS subjects had higher levels of TNF than healthy controls. Compared with the controls, MECFS patients had higher levels of IL1 beta, IL4, IL6, IL10, IL12, and Leptin, which are all inflammation markers. There was no associations found between outcome measures and inflammation biomarkers in long COVID patients. For the MECFS group, three negative associations were found between symptomality and the inflammation markers of IL8. IL 4 and IL 6. For the association between outcome measures and endothelial markers, most relevant is the clinical symptoms were associated with BCAM1 in long COVID patients and ET1 in MACFS group. The association between endothelial markers and information variables was stronger in the MACFS cohort compared to the long COVID patients and healthy controls. MECFS patients demonstrated a heightened inflammatory response, particularly in plasma cytokine levels, and this is likely to play a significant role in the development of endothelial dysfunction. The results also suggest that MECFS and long COVID may have different origins of endothelial dysfunction, as long COVID patients lack the sustained high cytokine levels that are observed in MECFS. A range of different analyses was used with one analysis, PCA showing that endophilia biomarker data could correctly distinguish 51% of me patients from those with long COVID, but inflammatory biomarkers only classified 35% of patients. Whereas using a different type of analysis, discriminant analysis provided much more higher results, classifying 85.9% of participants correctly. And the variables that were seen important for this were serapin E1, nitrous oxide, Li1, Li6 and FIS40, which is four biomarker molecules and of the fatigue impact scale. Statistical analysis supported differentiation between the groups based on self-reported outcomes and endothelial and inflammatory biomarkers. This is one of the few studies where we've seen a combination of outcome measures and circulating biomarkers used. And it's also the first study which has done this for MECFS and long COVID. A few things to note about this study. A huge amount of data and results is available in the paper. The patient characteristics alone are very detailed and take up eight pages. MECFS patients all meet the diagnosis under the International Consensus Criteria, ICC. Long COVID patients had unexplained symptoms after a positive COVID test for over three months and met the 2001 WHO clinical case definition. Healthy controls were all sedentary. The illness average duration of ME-CFS patients was 7.4 years compared to 2.1 years for the long COVID patients. Therefore, these results could be down to illness duration alone. As always, the small sample size can limit the statistical power and impact of significant findings. Therefore, in a larger sample size, the significant findings may not be present. Due to the sample size as well, it was not possible to determine how results differ in male and female populations. The use of self-reported outcome measures is prone to recall bias and overreporting, As well as this data only reflects the week prior to assessments, however, all data was treated the same and reinforced with blood biomarkers. There is not much to dislike about this study and there is a lot of data to be considered. It is refreshing to see a study that works towards providing objective biological data for differentiating ME-CFS patients from both individuals with long COVID and healthy sedentary controls. You may also be interested in reading this week Paper 6 from the well-known researchers Van Kampen Rowe and Fisher, which provides further evidence that symptom severity in MECFS cfs may be related to changes in blood flow to the brain. Cerebral blood flow it is exacerbated when moving from a lying or sitting position to standing, i.e., orthostatic intolerance. Thank you for listening to this audio recording of the weekly research roundup. I should be taking a break next week for Christmas, so I will be back again in January 2024.